This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com. Morning, New Zealand. Welcome to Neville Rides Boundaries, and I'm Neville Wallace, broadcasting from Hara and coming to you from Access Radio Taranaki, Coast Access Radio, Radio Hawks Bay, and Arrow Radio Masterton. On the show today, we have Lynn Webster, Philip Duncan, and Southern Man Jim Hopkins, followed by Barbara Curriga. So let's get cracking and learn what farming in a very wet Northland is like from a local farmer, Lynn Webster. Let's catch up with Northland dairy farmer Lynn Webster, a.k.a. Pig Tits and Parsley Sauce. Good evening, Lynn. You're still known by that non-diplume. Yeah, although I've been a bit too busy on the farm to be doing um, too much with the Pig Tits and Parsley Sauce side of things. But I'm still staying out of the supermarket. Good on you. Now, just to refresh the listeners, how did you become known by that title anyway? Sorry, Neville, I didn't even catch what you said. Uh, just to refresh the listeners' memory, how did you become renowned for that title? Oh, Pig Tips and Parsley Sauce is the title of a book that I wrote. Um, probably, oh, goodness me, it's 12 years ago now. About staying out of the supermarket um, and just like living on $100 a week trying to save money. But it's become a little bit of a anomaly now because like I've been living that way for years and years but yeah. I've still got no money. So how did that work? Okay, no. I don't know what I spent it on but it wasn't groceries. <laughs> anyway, how's carving going at the moment? Well, let's be honest, Neville, it's a nightmare up here at the moment. I've never seen anything like it. I've been farming for 20 years, and it has literally rained every day um, pretty much since Cyclone Gabriel came, and the land here is sodden, it's saturated, and I would describe this farm as melting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, like, you can't get machinery on to paddocks. You can't drive in gateways. I, I drove in a gateway the other day, just a normal paddock gateway, and I knew I shouldn't have, and I felt the bike was getting stuck, oh. and sure enough, ground to a halt. All I was trying to do was drive into a paddock, but I managed to wriggle my way out of it, but, yeah. It was difficult. No, just listening to the midday farm. <laughs> Excuse me. Listening to the midday farming session, Lynn and one of those cockies said, I went into a paddock yesterday or the day before, and the bike is still there, got bogged, so it can stay, I'll do the rest of my farming. Yeah, I've got quite good at rescuing myself. Um, you know, you can pull, I've done the old pull the bike out with the tractor and get the tractor stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and our neighbour had to come and help me. I got the tractor stuck pulling a cow out of a drain. And I failed to pull the cow out of the drain. And in the end, I had to walk away because it was dark. And I felt like such a failure, and I felt like that poor cow. But you wouldn't believe it. The next day, a nice neighbour came and helped me, and he, the cow, and I thought, oh, that cow be dead, and it wasn't. It was in the drain still, but it still had its head out. Mm. And he pulled it out. Then he pulled my tractor out, <laughs> and then he had to go home because he was selling some calves. And he said, I'll come back in half an hour. And in the meantime, 
I gave that cow a bag and left it on the track, and I went home as well, thinking, you know, will she get up? <coughs> Excuse me. And then when I got back up, the cow had disappeared and it had gone all the way back up the hill. Amazing. Mm. After spending a whole night neck deep in, in a drain. Mm. What a strong cow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing animals. Yeah, you, you, do you employ any labour at all, Ellen, or just casual? No, or? I wouldn't. I wouldn't want anyone to be involved um, in this. It's, it truly is a nightmare. It's like uh, it's impossible. It's an impossible feat. Uh, so I wouldn't want to drag anyone else in on it. To be honest, so they wouldn't like it. They would leave. Yeah. So you're st- <coughs> still once a day milking them? Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. yeah, so but my days just goes from one job to another to another because I've got to feed out a lot. Um, I've got to be on high alert for animals um, getting into trouble because they can get bogged in even just your normal paddock. I've got a tow rope on the back of the bike. And plus this is all in the view of everyone that drives past on State Highway 1, oh, which yeah. isn't very good. It's very stressful. And, um, you know, people that don't understand the difficulties that we're facing yeah. would be complaining. Yeah. yeah, which isn't a nice... It's not a nice no. feeling. you still uh, a Fonterra supplier, then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so you've got to keep them happy as well with all the quality yeah. grades. Um, I've been feeding a lot of palm kernels. So of course, the f- um, EFI feed evaluation index grade started to bite because it, you get a, a grade from A, B, C or D, and if it goes down below B, they start to fine you. Um, but you have to feed the palm kernel because otherwise the cows would be too hungry so then you have to balance the palm kernel with some additive to the feed mix uh, soya hull is the one that I usually add but palm kernel is relatively inexpensive but the soya hulls like gold so all of a sudden your affordable feed mix is um, thousands of dollars and cuts out all your milk check but you have to do it because if you don't Fonterra will take the money anyway through the grade, which I find was kind of felt unfair. Um, and sure enough, Fonterra have just announced that because everyone's feeling this pressure from the weather, that they're suspending the FEI grades. Hi. But that doesn't take away from the fact that you've went through hell a month ago trying to keep your grade in the acceptable level and you've paid thousands of dollars to add other um, meals into your palm kernel mix to to stay in the zone. Uh, so it's, you know, like, I find that is actually quite frustrating. Now, the other aspect of this season as well, Lynn, is what's your impression of the payout? Well, I feel like I've never worked this hard for nothing. Yeah. How does that sound? 
So it's like, oh, we usually try to be positive, but honestly, at the moment, I really feel like I'm up against it, and it seems to be coming at you from all angles. Exactly. But the, the most thing is, it's just this wet, 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 incessantly wet yeah. weather. Um, poor cows, for all I can say. Yeah. So as I said earlier on, I hope you're trying to uh, keep your morale up, Lynn, because otherwise... Getting that blooming despondent mood, you know, it's not nice, is it? Well, um, it's just reality, though. Like you've just faced with these challenges, and you have to, you have to do your best. That's all you can do. But then, when you feel like you're getting criticism from outside, that annoys me because you only. It's not like you can't make your cows all disappear for a month <laughs> until the weather comes right. So you have to just keep on trying to do what you do. <clears throat> so the rural support man came round. Oh, yeah. Handing out um, Tim Tams and stuff. But, you know, they all just mean <clears throat> I'm fat as well as can't do my job properly. Because <laughs> I've ignored the biscuits. <laughs> Oh, well, at least they're showing up and showing their presence. But thank you to, for your time tonight, Lynn Webster, and let's hope we can get the sun to shine for longer than a week next time. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah, well, even just a couple of days would be nice. Now we hear from weatherman Philip Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz what the weather is possibly going to be over the next few days, maybe weeks. Good morning, Philip. The weather predictions appear as grim as the recently announced bank payouts. What's the predictions for our weather like? Well, Neville, um, we've actually got some good news, I hope, for, for farmers because, you know, it's been very wet and gloomy lately for a number of places. Obviously, most regions in New Zealand have had their annual rainfall already. That, that already happened in the first half of the year. And so far this month, we've seen a lot of places... Um, cloudier than usual, including sort of the lower half of the South Island, uh, the lower half of the North Island, and also the very top of the North Island. So the sort of sunniest places have been out in the east. Um, but even Canterbury has had more cloud than usual. So it's been a very gloomy August so far. And that, that brings our moods down, um, not just with humans, but also livestock. But there is some good news, like the days are getting longer and once we get to September, which is only just around the corner, the sunlight hours increase by 20 minutes each and every week. So um, I think most people will notice the extra light and then that should also put a bit more of a spring in our steps because it's been a very wet, gloomy winter for a number of places and three quarters of New Zealand's population has just had a cloudier than usual August. So it'd be good to get some of that sun back out again and high pressure this week is is one of those um, first new drivers that we're seeing to improve our weather after a very gloomy start to the month. Philip, you do uh, YouTube, you get a lot of criticism. Can you share any of the lighter moments with us to uh, help farmers see their way through this gloom that we appear to be in at the moment? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly uh, the cloudy, gloomy weather does create what is called SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder, which is something when we don't get enough light and we start to feel a bit depressed and tired as a result of that. Um, but the feedback we're getting from farmers just over the last week has been 
more of the grumbling again about the rain coming back. And for the most part, the complaints that we get aren't really complaining to us for making mistakes. Um, sometimes in the climate watch updates that we do once a month, some people sort of read that as, well, you said it would be sunny on the third week oh. of August. and It's not really like that. It's more just saying where the trends of high pressure and low pressure will be. And what we've been noticing is that high pressure is likely to increase this month, which we're still expecting. So quite often the complaints are more of a knee-jerk reaction. And also a lot of the complaints that we get at Weather Watch from farmers, they're not really venting at us, but they like the fact that we give them a platform to vent, and then therefore that lets other farmers and growers out there who are in the same boat kind of write in and say, yeah, we hear you and whatever. And so um, we've now learned that some of the complaints and digs that we get are really just people venting and they're not really angry with us. They're annoyed with the weather and we're obviously the first port of call to complain to because it's a bit hard to complain to Mother Nature itself. Philip, we had an Icelandic last day with us for three or four months and she was touching on this very subject herself she said you want to come and live where I live up in Iceland and she's dark and gloomy now you've had the opportunity to travel a bit what is your experience in some of those uh, countries yeah well I mean um, my my dad lived in Scotland for a while and we, we travelled up there when I was a kid and I can still remember the, the how dark it was because we went a, a I think it was the start of winter or the end of winter, no, start of winter. And, yeah, it was incredibly dark, incredibly early. And I remember my dad saying in summertime, it was obviously the other way around, you could still be reading books outside at midnight. And then the sun got up, you know, set at 1 a.m. and got up again at 3.30. So here in New Zealand, we don't really have weather extremes and the big extremes that other places do get. Yes, we do suffer from sad seasonal affective disorder uh, but it's only a very minor version of what they experience in Iceland and Norway and Sweden where in the middle of winter they only get a couple of hours of sunlight whereas we get still a minimum of five, six hours of sunlight in Southland in the middle of winter so it is not all bad news for, for New Zealand as even if, it, even if we still feel a bit gloomy and dark from it there are many other places and the other one is uh, Vancouver where I've, I've my uncle and aunt live there and it's quite strange going there in, in wintertime and summertime because of the hours difference although there, Vancouver's only a little bit further um, north than New Zealand is south so they're, they're sort of um, similar to the lower South Island of New Zealand but yeah really Iceland would be quite a remarkable place to be in summer and winter and Alaska as well yeah. where they have these really extreme differences between the middle of summer and the middle of winter we're the porridge that's just right we're not too hot we're not too cold our winters aren't too dark they're not too gloomy our summers are too bright and too long we really are in that middle group and if you don't feel that yourself um my suggestion is get get into traveling if you can because once you've been into places that have three hours of sunlight in winter or minus 50 degrees Celsius is normal on a winter day, it does make you rethink how, how good and bad New Zealand actually is. Well, well done. Thank you, Philip Duncan. And for those folk out there, remember to get your Weather Watch app or Rural Weather app and for know what the weather ahead is and do a little bit of planning and thinking. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Neville. Talk to you next week. Now, let's catch up with the Bar of the South, Jim Hopkins, as we discuss many sensitive issues that are detrimental to our farming community. 
Well, it's time to catch up with the bard of the South, Jim Hopkins. <laughs> Most significant news undoubtedly was a further drop in milk prices than the government's planned emission pricing. Jim, how yes. much can the Kiwi dairy farmer put up with? Well, I don't think it's just the Kiwi dairy farmer. I think it's the Kiwi sheep and beef farmer, exactly. the Kiwi, Kiwi fruit farmer, the Kiwi grain farmer, the Kiwi farmer farmer. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, it was extraordinary. Now, I did hear Damien O'Connor being interviewed on this matter, and he said, oh, well, we didn't know that Fonterra was going to actually make that announcement on the Friday morning. Uh, well, okay, you didn't, but you had scheduled your announcement for midday, and I think it was embargoed, so you had a whole morning to think, well, is this the right time? Maybe we should actually postpone this. Maybe we should go back to the sector and have another conversation. Maybe we should actually put farming first. Maybe we should put New Zealand first. Oh, no, that means Winston Peters. <laughs> Maybe we should put New Zealand's income first. Um, because, I mean, basically... When the uh, uh, payout went down a dollar, um, yep. what I heard various people say was that uh, that basically meant we, the country would have $5 billion, $5 billion, that's, well, right. that's probably your weekly income plus super, <laughs> five, <laughs> $5 billion less to play with than they had previously. Yep. And now with this latest cut, it's probably make that 6 or even $7 billion. Um, I mean, it's, it's, that's a lot of hospitals. That's a lot of pharmac medicines. It's an awful lot of, it's an awful lot of stuff that keeps New Zealand in the first world, whether Eugenie Sage likes it or not. And, um, and it's, uh, down the gurgler and, uh, they've actually introduced the, the emissions trading scheme and they've said that farmers are, are required to pay from two years, for two years from now. Well, guys, you know, um, as somebody pointed out again, and I've been saying this on various radio interviews and so on over the years, quite seriously, you go and have a look at Article 2 in the Paris Accord. And Article 2 in the Paris Accord, which we have signed, says that whatever we do to fight climate change should not, should not, underlined, should not be at the cost of food production. Exactly. Now, you know, um, we are doing all sorts of things that are going to be at the cost of food production. And what we're basically going to do in order for certain people in Wellington to feel virtuous is essentially um, uh, uh, encourage or require or oblige other countries with far less stringent, uh, stringent and rigorous health and safety and employment rules to actually take up the slack. And we're probably, I mean, you know, the lutus, it'll be like... It, basically, the whole farming sector will be like the pork, pork sector now. You know, we've made so many rules for pork farming in New Zealand that it's no longer economic or viable. And so what we're doing with the government's total support and no objection whatsoever is importing all manner of pork products from all manner of countries with all sorts of rules and regs that aren't up to our standards. So we're basically allowing countries that treat workers less well, more poorly, and actually have lower um, animal health and safety standards to produce the pork so that we can actually satisfy political pressure here and have rules for our pork farmers that put them out of business and basically mean more more pigs oh, and more yes, people yes. in other places suffer. 
And you look it's at just the, wrong, Nev. It's just wrong. Yeah, well, look at the advertising on some of those uh, packets of bacon you pick up in the supermarket. Yeah. Uh, a sauce from uh, pork from uh, Spain, I think, was one country. Several other countries were advertised as well. And oh, I think I saw some from Vietnam on one. Now, yeah. look, I'm, I mean, at this point, um, you know, all I'm saying is that some of these countries have been shown in the past to have less desirable standards than we do. And in the process of being virtuous, we're actually probably um, imposing more suffering on animals and people in other parts of the world than we need to, you know? Um, and, and, and we're damaging ourselves. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. Now, is this to go back uh, to the EU Free Trade Agreement and the uh, uh, hidden, yes. hidden rules regarding those agreements? Oh, that's right. Yes, you can't you can't buy anything that's been farmed on land that once had a forest on it. You know, well, actually, that would probably I would have thought put almost all of Europe's farmers out of business because I rather suspect that Europe was actually largely covered with trees and forests and the like um, <laughs> around the time that Julius Caesar and others were having a dust up and deciding who was in charge <laughs> of the place. Well, seriously. I mean, seriously. Yeah. And we signed this bollocks. You know, the yeah. Australians say, no way, we're not going to do it. But there's a little old New Zealand, oh, no, we'll sign. You don't want us to call Feta Feta? Fine, we'll come up with another name, you know. Anything you like, <laughs> just so we can get sort of 5% to 2% of salt all in the way of our major products into the, into the, into the European market. Well, I can hear that cold getting to you, Mr. Hopkins, so we'll terminate this conversation here so you can go and take a lie down and have a sip of lemon juice. Now, Barbara Kuriger has some good handy advice for the dairy farming sector, farm owners as well as shear milkers who are facing a very challenging financial year. Good morning, Barbara Kuriger. <laughs> I just hey. was thinking of Rod Stewart. Have you ever seen the rain? <laughs> morning Neville. Um, look here yeah, we've seen a lot of rain and uh, it seems like there's a bit more actually on its way over the weekend Yeah. and uh, I've sort of counted my blessings really this for the whole of 2023 that we're on the west coast of the island rather than the east coast because while we've uh, had uh, quite a bit of rain and uh, you know a lot of people have been through a little bit to do with weather uh, on the other side it's been absolutely catastrophic for many people so but look the rain I think you know we can't control the rain but there's a whole lot of things going on at the moment with farmers that uh, are just uh, getting them down a wee bit. I mean, there's um, obviously the payout, the loss of the dollar uh, 10 days or so ago from Fonterra and then a further announcement yesterday. Um, obviously, the China market's weakened a bit and uh, it's just taking the price down in general. Uh, probably speaks a bit to um, diversifying our markets. Um, China's a great market for our products, but when it goes down, we take a big hit. Uh, so, um, you know, it's just important, I think, for farmers to note that things will look up. It's springtime. Everyone's literally got their heads down and hip arms up, actually, uh, doing the work on the farm. It's always the busiest time on the farm. And uh, everybody's a bit stressed and a bit tired. And then, you know, you get a bit of news that your payout's going to drop. You know, some of the 
some of the meat prices have done a little bit of the same over uh, recent times. Uh, and then there's the uncertainty of an election, which is, um, you know, people don't know who's going to win. They don't know what's going to change in regulation. They don't know how things are going to work. And there's a debate going on at the moment uh, between parties about Haywaka Ekenoa and pricing emissions. And everybody has a slightly different view on that. And I guess farmers don't know where that's going to land in the long term. Uh, and all of those things on top of interest rates going up. So what I want to say to farmers this morning is just keep your chin up. You know, we've had times like this. We had a really bad time actually just after I entered Parliament. It was about 2015. Uh, there was a very serious downturn, and then we've actually largely been up over the last few years, uh, and lucky for New Zealand as well, because when things sort of went a bit uh, topsy-turvy when COVID hit, at least we had our... our primary production to hold the country up. And so, you know, it does happen from time to time. I want to say, especially to the younger farmers, when you get a bit older like uh, I am and you've been through these things a number of times, you can actually sort of know, well, you just weather it and it'll come right. I know when you're young and you first go share milking and every year is going to be a better year than the one before until it's not. And sometimes I've seen people retreat back to their farms and, and not go out so much as they used to. Look, there's nothing better than a, um, you know, a Friday afternoon scones and a cup of tea in a dairy shed or a beer in a wool shed on a Friday night or something to just realise that, hey, no one's in this on their own. We're all in it together. Uh, and we'll all get through it together, and that's the way we'll all get through it, is just by talking to each other and realising, actually, the guy and the girl down the road have got the same damn problem that, that you've got, and I think that's um, that's good. I just want to put in a mention also, too, for the Rural Support Trust. They do fantastic work uh, right across the country, uh, and for those people who do find themselves uh, in a little bit more of a difficult position and, and not feeling, um, you know, like getting out of bed or or not feeling that they're, they're really up to um, what's going on in their world at the moment, um, always encourage people to ring the Rural Support Trust, ring a friend. Uh, we're going to get everybody through this and we're going to be back and we're going to be strong again because that's uh, that's how we roll. Uh, we are New Zealand, primary production, that's who we are and that's... Uh, that's never going away uh, anytime soon. So, so um, yeah, and look, I've had some um, a, a quite an exciting um, time, uh, particularly yesterday, uh, headed out. I first of all went to the Green School, and um, it's amazing to see what they've built there. Um, and, you know, they're growing heaps of food. They've got these amazing classrooms. Um, kids are doing awesome projects. Uh, followed from there to the Toko School, which is an Enviro school. Just love to see kids are out uh, getting pine needles, uh, bashing them so that the uh, the juice would come out uh, much easier, uh, distilling them, and actually making them into uh, cleaners or spray for Christmas time so people's houses uh, smell like Christmas. Um, they're always doing something at Toko School uh, in the environment lines, you know, building traps, a whole range of things, and it was just really cool to pop in and see they had this little sheep, this little lamb there called Star, 
and he is having a great time at the moment because every kid just loves him and uh, it was just great to see the kids with this little lamb at school um, and then from there I went out to a place called Tutatawa which is just out from Toko uh, the, um, they've actually been granted uh, 7,000 trees for King Charles III out there uh, and uh, they're actually wanting to restore a piece of land. Uh, they've been doing lots of trapping out there, and there's a great vision in Taranaki to make an eastern corridor, which is pest-free. Uh, and as we uh, do the mountain and we do various other projects um, around the um, Taranaki ring plane, uh, it just means that we could actually, if we have that, that predator-free uh, eastern uh, area that we can actually probably get Taranaki predator free. We're quite lucky. Sometimes we, our own destiny has been designed by the fact that we're a compact region. We're a long way from other regions, uh, and people often say we've got a bit of distance. But that's made us parochial. It's given us a good attitude, which is a can-do attitude. And uh, if anyone can do this, Taranaki can do it. So, um, yeah, finishing on a positive note, Neville. Oh, well done. Thank you, Barbara. I would also like to pass on some advice we got from our accountant when we first began milking cows. Ralph Latter always said, pay the provisional tax and rates, etc. But when it comes to personal expenditure, wait until the autumn when you know what the payout will be. Above all, hang in there. You will come out the other side. Well, that's the show for today. See you next week. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to our website, accessradiotaranaki.com.